0: Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9. Welcome to 101.9. Hi, FM. It's 7 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've been an investor for a while, then today's topic is really going to make you feel a little bit antiquated. If you're a new investor, if you're young, if you really feel that you know what's going on, well, then I hope the word Bitcoin doesn't send you into a tiz. Um, you know, I... Was introduced to it a while ago. I met a client I think I mentioned on air about six seven months ago who is very, very involved in it and 's got a whole set up but the problem with the bitcoin for most people is the barrier to entry it 's the cost it 's how do you do it How do you manage it? How much do you buy which one do you buy? But now there's a solution. There's a group of young guys, dynamic entrepreneurs who've got together from different fields and different backgrounds. And they've elected a leader, somebody who they're going to call the co-founder. His name is Josh Maltz. And he's going to be the spokesperson for a dynamic new company that has really given everybody the ability to buy Bitcoin similarly to the way you would buy a unit trust. Josh, sorry, Joshua. Welcome to Chai FM.
1: Thank you very much.
0: It's awesome to be here. If I call you Josh, am I in trouble? No, that's perfect. Good, good. But as I said to you, um, you know, of air, is that it's a bit of a challenge, this particular topic, because it's new. Don't People don't really know who it is. I think we've got half the listeners thinking, well, this is going to be a long interview because we don't really know who it, what it is. But the same thing happened when the computer arrived. The same thing happened when all new technologies arrived. This is new. This is dynamic. The bottom line is that there are many, many people who bought but Bitcoin at a dollar, two dollars, ten dollars, or whatever it is. And today I was sitting pretty. There are a lot of people who bought towards end of last year who have just turned the radio off because they've lost their lunch and they are upset with us. But let's start at the very beginning. What is Bitcoin and what's it all about?
1: Sure. Um, so to give you a bit of background of how long it's been around and how it actually came into the into the market. Um, it's been around since, um, early 2009, actually. So most people hadn't heard of it up until uh, at least a year or two ago. Um, but in 2009, um, the first concept of Bitcoin made its way into the industry. Um, the initial founder of Bitcoin, no one actually knows his identity. He goes by a pseudonym, um, Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, so he's believed to be Japanese, but he launched. I was laun- about to
0: say, it doesn't sound like he comes from Boxburg.
1: <laughs> exactly. But, um, he published um, what was known as, and is now famous, um, the Bitcoin White Paper. In this paper, he outlined his vision for a currency that doesn't need a central entity like a bank to operate. Um, so it was a very, it was a very new um, and sort of groundbreaking um, technical proposal, and from there it, 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 it really took off um, to what we know it is today.
0: Okay. We've given a one-minute introduction, and we have to quickly run to the shops. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with you in a moment. Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9. Welcome back to 101.9. Hi, FM. It's just gone 11 minutes past 12. And in studio with me is Joshua Miltz, who's the co-founder of BitFund. BitFund is a Bitcoin unit trust. Josh, have I got it right?
1: It's very similar to a unit trust. It's not, um, it's not technically a unit trust, but it operates in a very similar way because it achieves the diversification um, and ease of access um, that a unit trust typically achieves.
0: Because okay, so In your press release, you said you've got three different types of entry points into the you know, different um, investments that you have in Bitcoin. But let's go back to what you, you, you gave a very nice overview of what Bitcoin is. Let's just take the listeners back a little bit further back. It launched, it was available, it's a currency that doesn't have borders, it's a currency that doesn't have a regional restriction, it doesn't have a flag to it, so anybody can be involved. You and I can communicate um, or can transact via Bitcoin across this table, across the world, and it's a universal currency. Where did it start to gain traction? When did people say, hold on, if I buy one Bitcoin now at X amount, you know, it's tripled its value in the last X amount of time it should do at what time did people say hold on this is something to look at
1: yeah, so um, in the early days, the only ones, the only people who were actually using Bitcoin were the the very technical people who were actually working on the technology itself. Um, so, and it was like that for the first few years. Um, anyone who wasn't familiar with the technology and what the technology was aiming to achieve was not actually inclined to to participate in the Bitcoin network at all, um, because no one understood it, no one knew what it was what it was about. Um, but as the years progressed and the technology developed, um, and it Started gaining a little bit more traction. Um, this started to change. So, um, in 2013, 2014, um, there was uh, significantly more adoption. Uh, Bitcoin was making the news every every so often. It wasn't just sort of um, being heard of only in the very tech uh, sort of circles. Um, and and since then, um, it's sort of been on an upward tra- trajectory in terms of adoption and and mainstream um, sort of. Uh, um popularity um sort of culminating to what we saw in 2017 um, because in 2017 um almost everyone heard of bitcoin at some at some point um still it's still very um, misunderstood and not a lot of people understand the technology but anyone who hasn't heard of bitcoin now is is almost um, sort of living under a rock <laughs> living under a rock um, and i'm sure many would agree um but in terms of adoption, in 2017, we saw some incredible things because not only was your av- everyday person now being made aware of Bitcoin and starting to, to um, take some sort of interest, but institutions started taking notice, um, the, the the incredible gains that the cryptocurrency market saw in 2017 – it was now you, you had to take note of it if you were in any sort of financial um, institution, and so institutional adoption has now begun to slowly, slowly start creeping in. Um, and we think at Bitfine that this is going to make a massive difference to to the industry because it's now getting more formal and and it, it's sort of making its way into the into important circles.
0: There's two sides to the whole cryptocurrency. Environment, if I can put it that way. The one is somebody who goes out and buys a currency so that you have a crypto coin, um, or you have a portion of that currency which you can now, it has a store of value and you can use it to transact. And there are other people who mine the currency. Now, the first thing that drops, that comes to mind is headgear, shaft, people with lights on the front of their hats. That doesn't exist. Here you've got these. I was about to say these Dark smoky rooms But I hope they're not smoky Because then you've got a problem <laughs> But these are rooms With computers in them That look like something out of Star Wars How does mining currency work? I think everybody can appreciate Having a piece of the pie But how do you mine the currency?
1: So to understand mining um, Is actually very helpful For understanding how Bitcoin And other cryptocurrencies work So was a good general. question Is that what you're saying? That's a very good oh, question Oh good okay. <laughs> um, if you if you take a step back and you look at what Bitcoin has had, has tried to achieve, they're trying to remove the middleman in the equation when you're making a payment. Um, so if you look at a, a payment right now, let's just say you are bank with Investec and you bank with Nedbank, and I want to make a payment to you. Um, what is the role of the banks? So the first thing is obviously that um, my bank now needs to make sure, do I have funds available in my account? Um, am I on any sort of, is my account frozen for any reason? Is there anything that would prevent me from making that payment? They then need to make sure that um, there is a, there's a method that they can facilitate the payment from Investec to Nedbank. Um once that's all gone through, they need to now make the, the associated transaction in their database. And so basically they have to subtract um, the payment from my account and Nedbank has to um, add the payment into the account of the recipient. So the bank is is, is is in control of that entire process. Now, if you want to remove the bank from that equation, um, there's, a, there's a number of problems that you have to solve. Um, the key problem is that um, who's now going to be processing that transaction Who's going to be storing the information Relating to my account So who's going to have my account balance Who's going to maintain everyone else's account balance um, And essentially what, what the Bitcoin blockchain Does is they 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 Aim to decentralize that entire process Now what, what that actually means Is that every single person Who wants to participate in the Bitcoin Network, i.e. they want to Buy or sell or they want to transfer Bitcoin Um they can do what's called Bitcoin mining. Now, what Bitcoin mining is is it's replacing the um, role that the bank would traditionally play. Um, being um, let's just let's just picture what tech what tech looks like in a bank. It's a room of servers of computers that are processing these transactions. Instead of having all those servers in one place, we're now putting those servers on your every guy's everyday person's laptop. Um, so anyone with a laptop essentially can now be participating in the Bitcoin network and processing transactions as if they were a bank, but they're just um, sort of uh, working towards the greater good of facilitating these transactions on the Bitcoin network.
0: Uh, I I understand all that. You know, to put it into parlance that we all understand for today, Mm -hmm. it's like having one bank only invest, and they only have one currency called invest, for example. Mm -hmm. And everybody transacts on that, so it becomes a lot simpler. Yes. But... When I pay Joshua, how does it get recorded in my account that I'm down 10 cu- currency mm. and you are up 10 currency? So we, we, what we do is we subcontract that job to somebody else and they then, just by having the hardware and the software, are able to do that transaction. How do they get remunerated for doing it?
1: Yeah, so that's exactly the way it works um, and the process that you just just, just described is actually mining um, so what they get in return is by processing that transaction they are now entitled to a certain fee that was part of that transaction so if I'm sending you one bitcoin you'll actually receive zero point let's call it triple nine bitcoin Correct. and the difference there will go to the miners the people who are processing that transaction and replacing the role of the bank um, and as a result they can earn an income just by Processing transactions They don't necessarily Need to be um, Sending Bitcoin Or or receiving Bitcoin themselves Instead they're um, Facilitating this Transaction And they're being Remunerated in Bitcoin as a result And that's what Mining is
0: What I want to do Is spend the next Few minutes Just Going into it, understanding it So if anybody is interested They've got a, a, a more a broader idea But what we again we were discussing Before we came into studio Is that towards the end of last year People with significant banks of hardware and software Were making a lot of money Today they're not necessarily making a lot of money So from what I understand what From what you just explained That's a direct correlation Not so much to the value of a Bitcoin But to the transactions that were happening
1: Yes. So um, the amount that you're earning as a miner is completely dependent on um, the price of Bitcoin because you're being paid in Bitcoin. Right. As well as um, how much in demand um, your services are at the time. So if the if the Bitcoin network is very very active and there's a whole lot of transactions happening um, all the time. In other words, people are sending a lot of Bitcoin. Um, you'll end up earning more because there's, there can be a premium on the fee because people want their price, their transaction processed faster. Um, it's, it's an open market, so you can you can pay miners whatever fee you want to if you want to speed up your, your payment.
0: Josh, let's take a quick break. Um, I would like to keep talking, but unfortunately we need to go to the shops. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with you in a moment. Avi on Money,
1: 12 to 1 p.m. Only
0: on 101.9. Uh, um, Welcome back to 101.9 High FM, and if you've just joined us, we are talking Bitcoin, but not necessarily Bitcoin, how the average man or lady in the street can get involved in Bitcoin without being an expert, just like you're not an expert in equities. In currency, in um, different unit trusts, but you can go along and buy the unit trust that appeals to you. Now there's an ability to go and buy a participating de- um, product that allows you to in- invest in Bitcoin without actually going to buy it yourself. There are a group of young entrepreneurs got together, they call themselves BitFund, and um, they have put together this uh, this. Ability, I think Josh will explain a little bit more exactly what it is, but for somebody sitting down listening and saying, "I've got a thousand rand, it's burning a hole in my pocket. Let me give it to these guys and let's see what happens going forward." At the same time, I've also given Investec and Momentum and Discovery a thousand rand a month, and we've got different unit trusts. So I've got a barometer. I've got something to. Test it against, and let's see how it goes. So, Joshua, we basically, before the break, we were discussing how mining actually works. And just to summarize, the value of the coin is important because that's how you're being remunerated. The value goes up. Your 0.0001% of a coin is obviously worth more than it was when 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 the coin was worth less. Also, when the transactions are dynamic and there's plenty full, the quicker you can do the transaction, the greater premium you can charge. And the more favourable you become, because that guy is going to get it done for me in, I don't know, five seconds, whereas these guys are going to take an hour.
1: Yeah, so it's it's almost exactly like that. Um, the only the only difference being um, that. Everyone who 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 wants to make a transaction specifies how much they're willing to pay for the fee, and from there, the people who are mining will actually pick and choose transactions to mine um, based on the fee that that person is willing to pay. And as a result, if you specify a higher fee that you're willing to pay, then you're more likely to be your, your transactions more likely to be processed faster.
0: Um, when people are mining. From what i 've seen no one 's sitting behind a screen no one 's taking trades its it 's not a a stock market sort of scenario. How do you then say what you're going charge how do people know what you are charging, or do people even know what you 're charging or does someone get worked out in the system
1: so in terms of um, figuring out how much you should be paying to transfer your bitcoin um, you can essentially the the Bitcoin blockchain, which is which is the database that backs Bitcoin. Um, is public, it's completely public and the information is open. So every time someone makes a a transfer of Bitcoin, um, the whole world can see. They don't necessarily know who the person was that made the transfer but they can see um, what that transfer was, um, where it originated, where it ended up, as well as the fee that that transaction paid to to be included. Um, And as a result you can sort of estimate the the right amount that you should be paying if you want your transaction to be processed in a reasonable amount of time. Um, And and that 's all achievable because the information is all public knowledge um, that 's very different, however, from figuring out how much the bitcoin that you 're transferring is actually worth um, that That process is 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 much more like a traditional market. Um, to figure out what your Bitcoin is worth, you basically have to figure out how much someone's willing to pay for it. Um, there's a number of ways to do that. Um, Bitcoin in the early days was was not trading in very many places. Um, to buy Bitcoin, in some cases, you actually had to know someone who owned Bitcoin. And at that point, you could approach them and say, I'm willing to pay you this much for your Bitcoin. Um But a lot has changed since then There's been a lot of development um, in the industry And there's now exchanges that are based all around the world That facilitate the trade of Bitcoin um, Between two individuals if you if you look at all of those markets and you figure out um, how much people are buying and selling this 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 coin for on average, you can figure out what your Bitcoin is actually worth because you know there's a world of people around there, a world of people out there who are willing to pay this price for the Bitcoin.
0: It's, it's pure, unadulterated, un, unfettered economics. Exactly. It's buy and sell, demand and supply. As simple as that. Spot on. Great. They are these. Joshua Maltz, there's Jonathan Ferrer, there's Bradley Goldman, and there's Dean Joffe. I think if we add all four guys' ages together, we won't get the age of a normal fund manager at a normal <laughs> bank, which is incredibly refreshing. Young guys, all th- and the two of you are qualified, they are sitting in the studio, um, and uh, not with six weeks degrees, and, You know, it's something that you've really worked hard at, you've decided to leave formal employment you've decided to leave the security of getting a job and climbing the corporate ladder you've all swapped your ties for t-shirts and your socks for almost no socks and you're now sitting here and you've formed this phenomenal um, organization i've had a look at your website seems like things are happening but how did you guys get together
1: So we actually were at school together at King David Linksfield. Um, From there, we went our separate ways. To be
0: honest, were they very excited to see the back of you when you guys finally left?
1: (laughs) Some of (laughs) us more than others. (laughs) Um, But um, after school, we went on very different uh, trajectories. I'm a software engineer by background. I studied at WITS. Um, Jonathan Ferrer is an actuarial analyst um, also vits um, Bradley Goldman is a trainee accountant he's finishing his articles now Oh, brilliant! Um, and um, Dean Joffey is a candidate attorney so four very different roles but four key roles I would say for, for a business of this type because without any one of us I think there would have been a million issues that we would have had to solve that we wouldn't actually have known how to solve um, after varsity uh, three out of the four of us went into corporate jobs um, I went I went to a different startup We were there for uh, Two or three years um, Each each of us um, And from there um, Around the middle of last year We came up with um, What you know today as BitFund um, How we got there Was actually It's an interesting story Because each of us um, Sort of independently Became very interested um, In cryptocurrencies Over the last few years And eventually we reached a point Where we came together And we decided It's a very new market and it's very difficult to predict what's going to happen. And so as a result We want what What we know In the traditional markets As an index We want to be able To buy the market Correct Um, And there's nowhere To do that at the moment Um, So we decided The four of us Would put some money together We would put that money Onto a crypto exchange And we would buy A bunch of different Cryptocurrencies What we realized Very quickly Was that became A logistical Account An accounting nightmare
0: And Uh, a legal nightmare
1: And a legal nightmare We didn't know Who owned what We didn't know Where the funds were sitting Um, We didn't know how our portfolio was performing and after a few weeks, our portfolio, because of the volatility of the market, our portfolio was extremely overexposed um, to specific currencies that had outperformed the rest of them. And so we realised very quickly that we not only had to solve those those issues I just mentioned, we also had to make this portfolio rebalance because if you don't do that, then your your portfolio becomes unbalanced very quickly in such a volatile industry. And so that's where we came up with the idea for Bitfund um, almost immediately. Because I, I'm a software engineer. We we came together with our plans and we started development on, on the platform. We refined the idea, what sort of key features it, have, it has to have. Um, and towards the end of last year, we were ready with our initial MVP product that we then were able to open up to friends, colleagues, um, family members who were interested in investing.
0: Okay, so people are listening to us here, yeah? they've heard the story, sounds all good and well. They've got RANs, not Bitcoins. How do they start?
1: So it's actually very easy to get in with RANS. It's one of the key... focuses of ours because um, in almost all cryptocurrency products that you see out there today, you have to figure out how to buy Bitcoin or Ethereum and then invest it in this product with us, it's a matter of doing an EFT extremely similarly, similar to um, what you would see in a traditional asset management firm um, once you register an account online you get to see all of the portfolios that we offer, you can also create your own portfolio and from there it's literally a matter of making an EFT to our FNB bank account You put your reference in and it's done.
0: Are you regulated by any financial services boards, stuff or anything like that?
1: There's various um, regulatory um, frameworks that we've had to um, go through quite extensively with our lawyers. We work with international law firms. um, And from day one, it was... Probably our biggest focus um, Probably our second biggest focus Number one being security um, But we, we, we've we been working um, extensively On things like the Banks Act Financial Markets Act um, Collective Investment Schemes Act um, Various different legal frameworks That we wanted to make sure Our business um, is okay with, is okay in As well as our clients um, As a client of BitFund You need to be able to rest assured That you're not going to be Breaking exchange control um, You're not going to be Struggling to report your tax taxes at the end of the year. Um, And so compliance and and regulation is something that we actually um, pride ourselves on. It's one of our key value propositions. Um, That said, we are not a financial services provider. We're not regulated by the FSB. Um, The reason being cryptocurrencies aren't actually currently defined as a financial product. Um, We expect that to change sometime in the future, and at that point we'll be able to Be regulated, be regulated by the FSB. Um, But for now, um, that remains a a license that you can't, you can't actually get um, for cryptocurrencies. And you're not necessarily giving advice; you're just giving a platform. Absolutely, we don't give any advice at any time. Um, We've got these portfolios that people can invest in or create their own, but that's at their complete sole discretion. Um, We we never give financial advice. We never. Uh, say this cryptocurrency is going to do better than this cryptocurrency. Um, It's really just a product that facilitates the easy investment uh, into this exciting new asset class. Do you have
0: the ability to take ongoing funds, recurring funds, I can set my my um, internet banking to pay you guys 5,000 rand a month?
1: We do. So if you do set up a recurring payment to us, it will automatically get um, allocated to your portfolio. We currently don't have debit orders set up, but that's something that we're looking to add in the very near future.
0: Okay. Um, I've looked at your website. I've gone back onto it. I'm looking at it now. Everything's in decimal places. So 0.001 BTC, which stands for Bitcoin, I take it. Yes. What is the current price of a bitcoin coin
1: today? To buy one whole bitcoin, you're currently looking at around 112,000 rand um, for one. So, it's a very high number, but what what people don't actually always know is that you don't necessarily need to buy a whole bitcoin to to invest in it. Uh, bitcoin is divisible up to 8 decimal places, and that's why you'll often see the 0.000 however many zeros. Um, and as a result, um, you don't need to make such a large investment to to get into that into that asset. The interesting thing about Bitfund is that um, all of the assets on our platform are actually further divisible um, because we have the benefit of having multiple clients who may who may want part of a single um, cryptocurrency. We can divide that up as much as we want, as long as we account for who owns what pieces of that asset
0: so you've really made it absolutely accessible in rands by the average person when when somebody looks at a normal investment one of the things I always encourage people to ask is what is the benchmark what are you looking to achieve what is the fund manager's job you know I know you're taking my money but who what where am I going to be able to judge you against what are you looking to achieve da 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 you guys how does how does benchmarking work with you how do I say to you okay well I've got three choices: I can put the money under my mattress, I can put my money into a normal unit trust It's an equity unit trust, or I can come to you under my mattress theoretically in the bank, let's say uh, I can be quite comfortable with three and a half, maybe four percent, and then i can that I can sleep with a unit trust is a lot more volatile, but I'd like to beat inflation let's say by two percent so let's say eight percent net over a road in three year period. What am I going to get from you guys?
1: The first thing you're going to get is more volatility than a unit trust. So cryptocurrencies are a very new asset class, and as a result, they are up and down all the time. If you're not, if you're extremely risk averse and you and you you sort of um, aren't interested in a, in an asset class that's going to be um, wildly volatile, then cryptocurrencies. In fact, probably aren't for you, but at the same time, if we're going to be sort of benchmarking returns, we often say it's not actually fair for us to compare to traditional asset to traditional asset classes because if you put a graph, if you put two graphs over each other since let's say the beginning of 2017, you won't even see the traditional graph on that graph because it will be so close to the bottom. Um, cryptocurrencies in 2017. The returns were in the thousands of percents Now we're definitely not saying that it's going to continue that way um, Returns like that are almost certainly not sustainable But um, it's to, to benchmark a business like ours or a product like ours You actually have to find a new way Because the returns have been so crazy over the last few years um, What we like to do is we benchmark our different portfolios Against the return of Bitcoin itself So, if I'm going to just buy Bitcoin, let's say, on Luno, um, why should I rather put this into a portfolio of Bitfans? Now, the only reason that that would make sense would be if our portfolios actually outperform Bitcoin. And as a result, what what we've done is we've taken um, the backdated performance of our different portfolios, and we've compared that to how would I have performed if I was simply holding Bitcoin. And in all cases, our portfolios have outperformed Bitcoin since the beginning of 2017. Um, And we hope, we certainly hope we can't guarantee um, that it's going to continue that way in the future. Um, But if you were to look at the graphs themselves, um, the balanced 10, for example, um, achieved almost double the returns of Bitcoin alone.
0: The bottom line is it's done incredibly well. Um, But one, we understand that it's, not traditional It's not your normal unit trust the framework is similar but it's something that has its own touch and feel it's new it's dynamic and if you're expecting the same ride then stay where you are but if you're prepared to put a bit of money and take a bit of a flyer and see how things are going then this is the place for you to be and um, we've just got minutes to the end the questions are flying in I'm just trying to get through them what a lot of people want to know and it's almost crystal ball sort of stuff is Where do you see uh, uh, cryptocurrency going? And there's two sort of questions that are coming in. The one is from an investment point of view. In other words, what can I expect to get? And let's use percentage because that's what we relate to. And the other thing is, will it get to a point where I can go to pick and pay and pay in rands or bitcoin? So let's answer the first one. If someone had to invest today, what would the year-and-year year expected future returns be? Mm.
1: So once again, it's it's extremely difficult to, to predict um, the returns, especially in such a fresh asset class. Um, at BitFund, we've taken the view that um, – it's not worth even looking, at least in the short term, at what the price is going to be. Um, if we're worrying about what the price is going to be in two weeks from now, in even three or four months from now, it's much too short term of a view. Um, we've taken the view that um, cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology is so revolutionary in its nature. Um, in fact, many call it the the, the new internet Um because of how groundbreaking the technology is if you're going to take the long-term view and belief in the technology itself then the the short-term price movements are, are actually not so relevant um, we're in it for the long term it's imp- it's almost impossible to 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 sort of um predict what that is going to translate to in terms of a percentage we certainly um, think and hope that it's going to be very very favorable at least over the next few years um but once again we can't guarantee that um but as an asset class itself, there's there's so much that's going to be happening. I would say in this industry, I mean, um, blockchain technology can solve. Um Traditional asset management type problems. Um, you can tie the value of a property to something that's based on the blockchain. For example, you can record all of your assets on the blockchain, and that can be what defines who owns what. Um, so it's not just going to be in future about the, the the value of a specific cryptocurrency. It may also be that real world assets are tied to the blockchain. So there's a huge amount I would say that's going going forward that's going to be happening in the in the blockchain space, um, particularly in the on the investment side. Um, um, and so, in our eyes, it's a great time to get in, um, not financial advice and no guarantee of returns, but uh, that's the view we've taken.
0: And it's the ability to get in right now at the given price, and we're not looking at the price. You know this is what it is it's a it's a ability to participate and to hold it going forward. Exactly. Great. Joshua let's take a quick break. We'll be back, be back with you guys in a moment. RV on money. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. It's 20 minutes to the hour of one. And if you're listening to the show, not today, in other words, you listen to a a replay a little bit later on. um, This has been a phenomenal, phenomenal interview. Young guys, qualified guys, done their time, come together, put their minds together. Um, They come across as confident. They come across as having done their homework, really settled with what they're doing, but without any of the normal financial services um, glisten that is there. Sitting here in jeans and T-shirts, approachable, humble. And guys, uh, you know, Jonathan's also sitting in studio. studio, Just to wish you guys everything of the best. I think you've taken a, a leap of faith. But you've done it absolutely professionally. And that's a proud moment to see guys from my own community going there, going forward. So everything of the best to you. But right now, we need to let you know that Frequency foot, Footwear in Morrows Arch is having a massive sale. Do you know what Frequency Footwear is? I don't, actually. Okay, good. So neither do I. So it's about to start learning. If you want, If you want to... If you wanted to experience craftsmanship at massive discount, you'll be happy to know that Frequency Footwear has just launched their winter sale, offering 30% of all winter shoes, boots and booties. So they import shoes from Spain, Italy, France, Greece and Portugal and are well known for their unique style and their magnificent shoes are designed with comfort, durability in mind, whilst their service is personal and attentive. So it's time to claim your 30% discount. Frequency shoes are giving away 3,000 rand voucher in their store. How do you do this? All you have to do is take a selfie. You know what a selfie is, guys?
1: I um, <laughs> might be a bit too old for that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let take a selfie from Frequency Sh- um, Store at Moro's Arch and send it to, in- to Info at High FM for exclusive style and quality footwear. Frequency footwear in the Galleria Moro's Arch is a place for you. So just go there, take a selfie, send it to us at Info at High FM and you can win a 3,000 Rand voucher. I'm not sure how much that's going to get you you know, as far as footwear is concerned but a 30% discount I'm sure it's worth while having a look um, Josh going forward the, the things are changing um, the people that I've spoken to are buying stuff in Bitcoin on the internet um, the particular people that I've spoken to are people involved in Bitcoin so they're buying more mining machines and more hardware and more software and they're paying for it in Bitcoin but on a day-to-day basis, your family, my family, my kids—I um, hope I'm not saying your kids—maybe a little spoiled at this, at this point in time. What are they using Bitcoin to buy? What are people using it for?
1: So the adoption of Bitcoin as an actual um, currency to pay for things is is low at the moment, but it's definitely um, climbing quite drastically. Um, so around the world, um, Bitcoin accepted here signs are popping up at merchants. Everywhere um, in Japan, if we look at a specific example, um, they've seen incredible adoption. There's almost nowhere that you can't um, use Bitcoin to okay. actually pay for something. Stop. How
0: do I use it? So you and I walk into Mister Fogo Shogo's um, I'm not trying to be condescending there. And we are we buy a car together, um, or we buy office furniture together. How do I pay?
1: so it 's actually easier than you would think um, if you 've got what 's called a Bitcoin wallet app on your phone um, which you can download on the on the app store um, and you put some bitcoin in there it 's actually a matter of scanning a code at the merchant. Um, and clicking how much you want to send and then clicking send. It's, it's, it's easier in, in many ways than online banking. Um, it's probably not as as refined at the moment as um, using a credit card to swipe or tapping your card to pay. But um, it's still a, a big improvement over, for example, if you were to, to make an EFT to someone. Um, and at the same or time… Or to use PayPal. Or to use PayPal. Um, and at the same time, um, there's always continuous development happening. Um, so so from my side, at least, I would expect um, the adoption rates to not only continue the way they are, but to actually start increasing as the technology um, gains traction and the network effect sort of takes hold. Um, I think it's an absolute inevitability that over the next five, ten Um, 15 maybe years That um, almost all payments Are going to be backed by If not Bitcoin Some um, similar um, Relatable technology Um, It has to be the future of money
0: Let's say we're buying Equipment Uh, You said a Bitcoin is 128,000 Rand So let's round it off to 120 We go buy equipment for 60,000 Rand That's half a Bitcoin I need to transfer half a Bitcoin Into my app but what happens if you and I got for supper? And that comes to 2,000 Rand because we really go all out. I, I don't know. Jonathan, maybe you need to help us here with the maths. But how many Bitcoin is that? 0.0, 0 what? How, hmm. how do I know how much to have?
1: Well, at the moment, if you take the smallest denomination of a Bitcoin, I think it's one 100 millionth of a Bitcoin that you can actually transact with. Um, you got to love
0: this guy, yeah.
1: <laughs> you, can actually, you can actually pay... A fraction of a cent, if you were to use Rancense, for example, okay. using Bitcoin. So it's, it's currently far more um, divisible than traditional fiat currencies in that way. Um, so for microtransactions and micropayments, there's also some quite unique um, use cases for this type of currency because you can make such tiny, tiny payments without necessarily having to worry about all the costs that would rack up if you were to do that um, with traditional currencies.
0: Not bad for a software engineer to use a word like fiat currencies. I'm impressed. <laughs> but the, the bottom line is if I've got 0.27656 Bitcoin in my app and I want to know what my wealth is, what, what I've actually got in... Give me any currency. Sterling, US dollars, rands. I don't care. H- how would I actually know what I'm worth? You know, you know, my kids are looking at me and say, like, Dad, we've got all this Bitcoin, but like, when it comes to me one day... How much is it actually worth? Mm.
1: Well, typically, um, the wallet that you're storing this this Bitcoin in, which is which is usually an app on your phone. Um, actually connect to various exchanges or um, information providers around the world where it is able to accurately and um, sort of in real time provide you with the real value of this um, in what currency of your choosing. So you can um, denominate your your um, wallet in US dollars for example if you're interested in that price or, or South African rands um, and those those figures are are typically very very accurate because the market while it's still a fresh market and, and it's only a couple of years old, um, the trading volumes and um, the liquidity um, on different exchanges is actually pretty good. Um, if you if you um, are relying on the figure that your app tells you for how much it's actually worth, your chances are that's okay because you can actually find a buyer who would pay that amount for your Bitcoin.
0: I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to take a quick break. I usually don't break here, yeah, but let's take a quick break. We'll be back with you in a moment. <laughs> Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 FM. Welcome back to 101.9 Hi, FM In the studio with me is Joshua Miltz and someone else who's invisible, we won't say who. And he's of BitFund. And before we get there, Bitcoin, BitFund,
1: talk yep. to us. Sure. Um, so to expand a little bit more about what we're trying to actually achieve at BitFund, um, In that exercise that I mentioned earlier where we went in our personal capacities to try by different cryptocurrencies um, and then keep track of it on an ongoing basis, um, a lot... Also went wrong We had to figure out Which exchanges Can we buy The different cryptocurrencies That we want on um, We had to Not make the mistake Of um, transferring Cryptocurrencies To an incorrect address That's an irreversible Transaction And your money Would be lost um, We had to um, Make sure That we were able To rebalance Our portfolios Every week And so um, In doing In sort of Going through That exercise We sort um, We sort of um, outlined exactly what we wanted to achieve with BitFund and we think we've done that now um, what happens at the moment after you um, invest some money in one, into one of our portfolios is it gets automatically deployed into the various underlying cryptocurrencies for you um, you're able to see um, your dashboard which will contain the different cryptocurrencies that you hold how they're performing um, what your total value of your portfolio is we've got real-time pricing so that you can, you can always be aware of how your portfolio is doing um, and the other thing that we take care of Which is very important Is the safe storage of your cryptocurrencies um, I'm sure many listeners have seen in the past um exchanges getting hacked. Um, in fact, earlier this year, a Japanese exchange was hacked for almost $500 million worth of cryptocurrency. Now, that represents the biggest theft in human history. There was once an art heist for, I think, around $300 million, but nothing has ever been stolen to that value in our history. Um, so clearly, there's there's some work that has to be done in terms of keeping these currencies safe. And so um, security being the number one focus of BitFund... Um, is something that we take extremely seriously. What we actually do is we store all of our clients' cryptocurrencies on what's known as a hardware wallet. It's a physical device that um, you have to have control of in order to be able to transact. And we actually put these hardware wallets in physical vaults at at financial institutions. So it's now not only a matter of getting hold of the device, you actually have to physically gain access to it. Um, And so as a result, our clients' funds are very rarely sitting on an exchange where they face that risk um and so if you were to do this yourself and leave your cryptocurrencies on an exchange uh, you face that risk and if you were to store your cryptocurrencies yourself in an app you also face the risk that um sort of your your device could be stolen or um something could be wrong with the app so all of these all of these traditional um worries are taken care of by us um and in terms of reporting your taxes at the end of the year and actually knowing what to report, um, that becomes an accounting nightmare almost instantly when you get into this industry um, and so what we do for our clients is we, we're able to export all sorts of reports that will assist you in declaring your in figuring out what your taxes are and then declaring that to the taxman.
0: I suppose the tax issue, it's many capital gains that you're looking at over here.
1: In many cases it is. It it, it, it falls, um, as far as SARS has, has stated, um, it falls under their traditional... Um, frameworks for tax so it all depends on what your intent was when you purchased the asset if you're sort of day trading it and trying to derive an income from it it would likely be um, it would likely fall under income tax and be taxed appropriately but in many cases people are buying this thing and almost all of Bitfine clients are buying it for the long term so um, they may be holding it for years and in that case it, it would sound like a capital gain and if you're a miner if you're a miner, um, it's 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 more likely to be on the income side because you are um, actively trying to um, derive a, an income out of this thing. You you can figure out what your margins will be and you'll um, get all of these. By, by you'll put you'll outlay that capital, but your intent is to to derive a constant stream of income. Correct. Um, but you, what we always advise our clients um, to do anyway is to speak to a tax practitioner in these cases because it is a new industry and there's not too much information about it out there. So you don't want to make a mistake. Uh, With your taxes.
0: Joshua, people are asking one SMS after the other is it worthwhile spending the capex to become a miner? I know it's an open-ended
1: question. We've got about two minutes to answer it. Mm, it's, at the moment, it's very debatable. Um, I think um, at BitFund, we don't actually offer mining services. Um, it's not a, a, an, an industry that we sort of see ourselves as experts in. Um, we do work very closely with with a company in the industry called UHash, um, uhash.io. I'm sure they'll tell you that it's very worthwhile, um, and they'll probably have their reasons for it. Um, I wouldn't be the best person to comment on it, though, um, Um, So if you want to check them out, it's www.uhash.io. But mining traditionally has has been a – historically has proven to have some very good performance, um, especially because you end up getting paid in a currency that's performing very well. But it also has a a self-sustaining effect on the network because you're actually assisting – by mining, you're assisting the network to grow. So you're actually facilitating um, the growth of this network and making it more useful. Um, So many people see that sort of philosophical side of mining um, where you're not just buying this asset. You're actually contributing to the economy or the, the technology behind it.
0: Is it almost like you know, the more people in the economy, the more people spending money, the more money goes around, and the more money grows. So the more people mining, the more the currency is available.
1: Yes, and the, in fact, the more secure the currency is, um, the more miners you have, um, the more resistant the network is to to sort of um, any sort of malicious plays. Um, these days, the network is massive, so Bitcoin is is extremely secure. Um, but as a miner, you're contributing to that.
0: Where did people find you?
1: Our website is www.bitfund.co.za. Everything happens online, so you register your account and you get verified all online. Um, it's a quick and painless process. Even people who aren't necessarily keen on making a deposit, I would suggest making an account just so they can see what's out there. And if they ever change their mind and want to make a deposit in future, they've got the account open.
0: And they make a deposit by making you a beneficiary on the Internet banking and just paying it in. Exactly. Will there be an, inter- a, a, an immediate SMS of, of acceptance that you've got the money? Will there be email statements? How does it work?
1: We'll notify you as soon as the money has ref- reflected we bank with fnb other banks we've seen about a day of uh, time to reflect Um, but typically once we've got your your deposit um, your portfolio will be allocated within one business day and you'll see everything in your dashboard what's the minimum a person can put in? the minimum is 1000 rand we've seen a huge amount of deposits of that value we've also got clients depositing in hundreds of thousands of rands so it's really for for anyone Joshua Miltz,
0: Joshua Ferrer, Jonathan Ferrer, Bradley Goldman, and Dean Joffe. Well done, guys. As we would say, well done for taking the leap. You've done your homework. You've come across incredibly confident, um, mature in the interview, and I'm I'm not trying to be funny. Um, You are young guys, and there's just a tremendous amount of security that I get by speaking to you because you've done your homework and you know what you're doing. We look forward to seeing you in the future, seeing you in studio, letting us know how well you've done. And when you list... Please remember us. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Goodbye.